Just uh, the picture behind you, for some reason, is tickling me. It just you don't like having the uh, the con- well wannabe poser Confederate soldier behind me. Oh, it's a lot happening there. It's very creepy looking. Yeah, it looks like he's got like permanent eyeliner going on. I don't, I don't, I don't hmm. trust it. Um, maybe I'm just uh, very made up. Yeah, that Buster. Yeah, King. gun shy after Johnny Depp. I just, you know, it's a little too close. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. You want to just jump in? Yeah. This is your Uh, pick. It is not. uh, No. Take back. No. This is. Dave moves moves to Kentucky and the South will rise again. (laughs) This is not my pick. This is the BFI sight and sound pick. They said, get out and the general. The same the same quality. <laughs> Do they put them next to each other to, you know, counterbalance the, uh, I guess, the gone with the wind effect that we have? Okay, here? thank you for bringing that up, because honestly, that is one of the first things I thought of when I saw this. It is so strange to me that apparently there was a whole film cottage industry about making heroism based in the South. The side that lost, the traitors, the monsters, the ones who's like, you know what, uh, mm-hmm. rights, we don't want you to have them. And there's so many movies like this. Like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, really? Another Confederate heroism story where, like, the Yankees are, like, the idiots and the, the ones who are the monsters? It's so, I don't understand it. Mike, can you, you were born and raised in the South. Can you explain this? Like, mm-hmm. I'm genuinely curious about why this happened. Other than, like, blatant racism. I mean, there's that piece. But, like, I don't get it. Well, Kentucky's strange, at least in my, you know, public education background. Um, because while the state itself, um, I think it's it's people see itself as southern. Uh, one of the southern states. When it came to the Civil War, at least, you know, you have to understand I was born in the early 80s on up. No one wanted to claim to be part of the losing team, so <laughs> the, we would be like, "No, no, no, we were we were for the Union, but we're the South. We're not that we're Southern. Southern. <laughs> we're not, we're yeah. culturally Southern, not not in reality." Right. But I mean, obviously, if you went back, I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty, certainly forty years, I'm sure maybe more openly uh, proud about being part of the uh, the losers, the the losing side. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to be, I guess, somewhat careful with this because I don't want to. I don't. I've never actually seen Gone with the Wind, so I can't really jump into the more recent. You're uh, good. I don't know. <laughs> film Twitter controversies, I guess, where it was HBO Max put like a sort of a disclaimer, yep. like, hey, you know, main characters are kind of shitheads. <laughs> you have to understand the time when everybody was kind of shitty and blah blah blah. But enjoy the movie. <laughs> you know, I I just have never watched it because it's so you know, long. It seems very it's long. So long, and, Mike. Yeah, I just. <laughs> No, the general, not. I mean, uh, we can right? we can go the other yes. way and say maybe it it deserves to be on here. Uh, certainly, over Gone with the Wind for various reasons, but runtime yes would be one. What is it like eighty minutes? Like it's it's short. I thought it was it's a little bit faster when you do the when you do the one point five speed like this, since there's no dialogue. Forty seven minutes. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a quick one. So, all right, Mike. What is your, if any, what is your background as far as like silent film? goes is this like a don't care uh, for him don't need him 
<laughs> have you? But have you watched a bunch, or is this kind of like a, a gap? No. Okay. I mean, well, okay. Like, I love the framing of this question. Is this a gap? Like you and I, like I just entered. I just hit the forty-year mark. You've been in your forties for uh, a couple of years. Is this a gap, <laughs> or something that, we've that not I'm avoiding? Gone back to? <laughs> something that happened. 50 plus years before we were born into into this world is this a gap um this is a, you know this is a film snob thing like how how many other okay like there there are plenty of people that are uh you know very well read uh always have a book in their hands or just constantly reading that's their passion that's their, their oh, hobby this right? from that's the guy film. who's doing a podcast we're like whoa we're gonna read a book uh we're gonna read a chapter a, a month chapter <laughs> <laughs> a chapter is the movie podcaster version. Um, yes, please subscribe to the Patreon where you can see the first chapter on Bullet, which, you know, that's okay. That's as far back to bring it back to what we're talking okay. about. Late 60s, early 70s is about my cutoff, even as a film snob. And it's not a bad time period. I mean, it's for a lot of people, it's probably the peak yeah. uh, of the art form is the, the early to mid 70s. Uh, but that's just close enough to where it's like, okay, this is before my time, but it's not a whole other world that we're dealing with. And obviously when you get into the politics and the racism, blah, 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 we've not changed that much, but silent film, as far as like me being a young kid, like, you know, going back to watch like Hitchcock movies, which are, you know, entertaining thrillers and entertaining, you know, comedic thrillers. No, I was never that pressed to be like, I, I have to go back to the 20s. I must <laughs> I must see where it started because I'm trying to think for all of the, uh, the booktubers and book talkers out there. Are they going back centuries to be like, I need to go to the, the I need to go start this. I need to read <laughs> all of the Shakespeare plays before I can consider myself a fan of the written word. I don't think so. But what is it about film fans where we punish ourselves and feel like we need to go back well before anything that's related to how we live in I mean, uh, today's like world. most things you can bring you can blame people like martin scorsese who are like you need to mm. figure out where this all came from here's my issue taxi driver sir that's, <laughs> that's where, it, where starts. it begins taxi driver and up <laughs> that's right so mean streets that's the start of film um here's my issue with silent film is i think it's a totally different art form than film as we know it now. So I think it becomes very hard to grasp, even as someone who watches so many movies. <laughs> like, and, and I'm a person who's like, you know, some of my favorite movies are before that, you know, late 50s, early 60s. But still, when you get, and like, I can engage with the fact that Buster Keaton is an amazing physical actor. There's There's no doubt about that. Same thing with Charlie Chaplin. Like, and he's... He's funny, he's engaging, but it's just so different, Mike, and it's really hard for me. It would be like, okay, here's – you brought up books. Here's the book uh, comparison. It's like, okay, I love the, the English word. I love the written word, but I'm not going to read Beowulf in Middle English. It's a totally different art form that you need so much ground laid for you to even begin – to start to access this. So it's like, I think he's a great performer and there's some amazing action sequences or what passes for action sequences in the, in the late 1920s, but the performances other than him and the storyline itself, I mean, throughout the the South thing, even if this is set and he's, he's in the North, 
I'm still kind of like, this doesn't really grab me. And I think it's telling me how much I need dialogue in my movies. Like, that's something that I really latch on to. Um, if I wanted to watch silent film, there are plenty of opportunities to do so. And I only do it, Mike, when it's homework. I only do it when someone says, mm, well, you, you we gotta go. watch the general, uh, because of the train sequences. You gotta watch city lights because it's Charlie Chaplin, you know, and I find my favorite Charlie Chaplin performance is in the great dictator. And you know what the great dictator has? Sound. It has sound and dialogue. <laughs> so I just, I, Part of me, I don't know why, so part of Dave. me feels bad where I'm like, <laughs> I should be able to really enjoy this. And I'm like, you know, I can recognize the importance of it and the kind of like how it connects to film now. But like, would I just watch this for fun? Absolutely fucking not. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's where I'll surprise you. I enjoyed this. I'd, I'd never seen it. Um I enjoyed it. Uh, I tend to agree with you that there's there's a bit of a distance mm-hmm. that I'm looking at it like, oh, look, that, that's impressive. Like, you know, you, you had to do it for real. There was, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there's no green screen, nothing. So it's like you're looking at it and you're just like the technical aspects of right. it now. Um, do I really care about this? I mean, it's like a kind of revenge of the nerd kind of storyline where the, 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 you know, the, the mathlete, the, the engineer is not allowed to go out with the jocks. You know, he's not allowed to go die on the front lines and he finds a way, um, which I guess our modern action movies have not changed much where it's like one guy being told by a superior that you're not capable. And he's like, I'll just go destroy a bunch of shit until like basically my mess comes to your front doorstep. Then you have to promote me. Then you have to give me a, my gun back. Um, yeah, it's it's not something that, you know, if you move past the fact that we are watching someone that really, really wants to be uh, part of the Confederacy, um, it's pretty threadbare. And I was interested more, like, you know, considering this is a, you know, it's on the sight and sound list, it's 92% on Rotten Tomatoes from both audience and critics, with over 10,000 audience rankings, and I'm, you know... Uh, but I di- was not aware that this was a flop... And also not critically well received back in 1926, 27. It's got the premiere date as December 31st, 1926, Tokyo, which is strange to me. And February 5th, uh, New York City uh, proper. Uh, one review is from Robert E. Sherwood. Robert E. Lee. Sounds like should be in the bag. <laughs> should be in the bag for this, right? No. Writing for uh, Life magazine, I assume this is an old one because it's, you know, they sort of uh, portrait black and white photography on Rotten Tomatoes and not just someone with an iPhone uh, or like a a blog, clearly a blog. Um, This is Life magazine, not Slant magazine, not Larson on film. Uh, And Robert E. Sherwood says, uh, splat, Keaton shows signs of vaulting ambition in the general that he fails to get across is due to the scantiness of his material as compared with the length of his film. Length! He has also displayed woefully bad judgment in deciding just where and when to stop. He was saying too long then. (laughs) The only thing I've got going for it here is like, oh, the brevity. And he's like, God, (laughs) bring it down to 45 minutes. minutes. Come on, we can. (laughs) Eight reels? Are you fucking crazy, Buster? Like, Jesus, this should have been a short. What are you doing to me? (laughs) Uh, God bless Robert E. Sherwood of Life Magazine. Surely also a racist, uh, well-regarded racist of his time. I don't know, but uh, I like that he's willing to take a shot. What do you think about that, Dave, that this is 
for our lifetime, this is an established classic. You know, maybe it is like you know the in the running. God willing, please tell me there are no other silent films oh, on this fucking God, list. I, I, is there another? There's one? probably a Charlie Chaplin movie City in there. Lights. I bet City Lights is yeah. in there. I haven't checked, but you know when you talk about <laughs> audience ratings now and critic ratings now, I have my doubts. I, I think it's hard mm. to approach a movie that you think there are more Robert E's out there <laughs> than people would like. Yeah. To I think it's hard to approach a movie that is like an established classic and be like, you know what? Not that good. Not, not interested in your, in your antics and your buffoonery buster. I, I'm not, I'm not here for it. Like <laughs> I just, I don't know how you watch the physicality of this and aren't at least somewhat impressed though. Like I, you know, you talked about the, uh, the kind of action sequences and, you know, the simplicity of it. I mean, okay, I I like this movie, but let's be real. Is is the first Avatar any more deep than this? Like, it's it's the same idea. Everyone telling him he can't do it, and mm. he does it, you know? And it's, it's special effects driven, it's action driven, it's stunt driven. And so is this, but this is not two hours and 48 minutes or whatever. <laughs> The first Avatar oh is so it's got that on it. I just, I just don't know what you latch on other than latch on to other than Buster Keaton. Like I think the female lead in this is, and it's hard to really discuss acting talent because again, it's such a different style. But like I'm like, nah, not interested. Dave was saying it had not been invented yet. <laughs> real acting crazy. had not I been invented. I mean, really? Can we can we be real? This is yeah, I. But well, everyone else let me compliment this. Uh, Mr. Keaton. Uh, in comparison to some of, you know, I've seen some, not all, uh, you know, maybe one or two of Chaplin's works. Decidedly different. Uh, you know, I expect with the silent film a lot of mugging. And right. he does actually underplay way, like, and I appreciate that way more. Uh, now, there are times when I would... You know, I guess you could say he's going big, but it's usually when uh, a train is coming <laughs> I mean, at that's him. That's fair. Or, uh, <laughs> something that warrants it. Right. Um, you know, speaking of the action scenes, there's a lot of just picking up of wood, <laughs> just throwing it. A lot of just <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I actually thought his performance was uh, pretty good from that comedic standpoint, mm -hmm. and is not uh, going for the sort of like Looney Tunes esque like emotion. Um, you're right though. Pretty much, I mean, no one, no one else. I don't right. know. He's, you know, effectively, I guess the the straight man here, where it's just things happen to him or people yeah. happen to him, and because of that, he's funnier right. in the and, silent. And form I found that than the other I found that very unexpected. That's not what I expected to see here. Because, and granted, as we've discussed, my awareness of silent film is minimal, but there is a lot of mugging because you kind of have to go over the top. You don't have dialogue to lean on. So you have to be wildly expressive. Um, and he does a good job of kind of self-containing here. And there's also a couple like interesting, memorable shots in the movie, the shot from, you know, the, the hole in the tablecloth uh, that gets kind of burned through and you see him underneath the table. Like that's kind of like, Oh, okay. Someone's really thinking this through. Uh, in a lot of silent films, you see a lot of wide shots because you want to get the impact. Because you're like, <laughs> they were incapable of thinking it back then. It surprised me. <laughs> Look how cute they were. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's some good moments here. I'm just not sure it ever really, I mean, maybe the guy has a point in terms of length because it never really satisfies much other than being kind of a gigantic chase sequence. 
right? Like that's all this movie is. It's the Mad Max Fury Road of its day. <laughs> Just one big road trip sequence throughout. Um, but I, I did, I did enjoy it. And if it was longer, I definitely would not have. Like if this movie is like an hour and 45 or two hours, I'm like, okay, you've worn out your welcome. We're done here. But I feel like, I feel like it's just enough. Like, and, and I feel like it's, it's mostly a good time. And that's all you can really ask for, especially a movie of this format. Like that's kind of what you're looking for. I think when you talk about the beginnings of film, which this kind of is, the fact that we see it through 2023 eyes is a bit unfair um, because so much there's been decades and decades and decades of exploration and nuance and subtlety and change that they did not have the advantage of. So for me to go like, well, it's not as good as Mean Street, like, OK, like, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> you have to be aware of when you're watching this. And in terms of racist movies of this time, shockingly, not that bad. Uh, there are many worse, <laughs> many, many worse. D.W. Griffith existed. There are many worse films when it comes to, because like, even if you watch this movie, there's very few black faces in this movie and there's nothing wholeheartedly offensive when they are featured, but we have the disadvantage of the context of the civil war. So we're kind of like, Behind that, we're like, oh, this is uncomfortable because I know how this war was represented and what was actually happening. I like what you said about, uh, you know, it's be unfair um, to compare this to Mean Streets, which, you know, I, I think your Avatar example is probably more right. <laughs> more appropriate <laughs> um, because, you know, something like Avatar, which you're a big fan of the, the sequel. I don't know yeah. if you were of the... The first one that came out. I mean, I I enjoyed it, but this, the sequel has, I think, more to say, and it's a little bit deeper, whereas that's just, you know, Pocahontas in space or whatever. (laughs) So where do you think some of the, like, Avatar will fit, like, a hundred years from now, roughly a hundred years from now? I think it's... Will people treat Avatar like they, like we are no. kind of, not dismissive because we're doing an episode, oh. but will they hold it to that standard? Oh, I thought you were asking it if it was going to be on like a BFI list and I was like, absolutely fucking not. There's no Well, people feel like they need to go back to Avatar and say like, oh, this is the reinvention of uh, 3D. Right. And the, will, it, will it be a sort of a standard bearer for something that, you know, as we saw from the first Avatar, within that decade, 3D sort of came and went. It didn't really stick. So will Avatar be the sort of lone example that, you know, a century from now people will look at as some sort of like curiosity? Yeah, it's interesting. I I think I think film has changed in this way where like you and I, our standard bearer for an action movie growing up has got to be Terminator 2, right? That's the... The ape, die six. hard, yeah, T two, yeah. Some, depending if you, you know if you're wanting spectacle or I guess right, you know, right. I'm talking it. more spectacle and uh, yeah. you know special effects and all that. That's our standard, and we still point to that. I think um, so. Maybe people who were like 13 years old when the first Avatar came out will do the same thing, but I think I think our memories are much shorter now. Um, and I don't know if that's just indicative of the world we live in or how the film world has changed, how everything's on streaming and there's like 900 releases every week. Like things just kind of go away. Even movies like the second avatar, which I made like a billion fucking dollars. And yet like 
I feel like not that many people are actually talking about it. Like, not normal people. Like, oh, yeah, you saw that movie? It's a very odd thing. I mean, it's very anecdotal. Obviously, small sample size, but um, has not come up once at work. Like, you know, I have, like, 35 people-ish, We, you know, working in my building. Uh, I've not heard anything other than, did you go see it? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. That's that's, that's about it. Um, I'm trying to think the last movie that, you know, people talked about, like, you know, in that regard, it probably unfortunately was like some Um, sort of streaming thing. Or a Um, Marvel movie, like, you know. Even those mm. have tapered off, like it's to true. the extent. I guess maybe it's just too much. There's not like one, you know. After Endgame, that's I was gonna thing. say. Yeah. I will say, and av- I, I don't like Avatar, um, really at, at all. But I will say in its defense that <laughs> it does, at the very least, stretch in some visual way yeah. that you could see it being referenced again. Whereas the Marvel stuff is nothing but spectacle, and I can't, and, I can't point to and one drab sequence or spectacle, anything like out. boring spectacle. Yes. It's big. But means nothing. Uh, whereas, say what you will about James Cameron, but that man makes spectacle that is fairly memorable. There are things that you are going to, even if you didn't like the first Avatar, I, I would bet there are moments in that movie that stay in your mind. Uh, because they're actually interesting to look at and have some shot composition and some interesting going things going on. You don't just have the fucking cast-offs from Community directing these movies. You have, like, a real director at the helm, and that makes a difference. <laughs> James Cameron, I believe, uh, I guess, start with uh, <coughs> Roger Corman yeah. uh, material. Um, a lot of great directors did. Had a, much, a lot of great directors started with Corman. Has a better track record than NBC sitcoms <laughs> as far yes, as producing yes. the next uh, action sci-fi auteurs. Um yeah, I was kind of dreading this one, and it's unfortunate because, um, like I said, I did enjoy it, but for podcasts, we've not really talked about the fact that you don't have any sound for our <laughs> listeners. You don't have any clips. You can't really set the tone, set the scene in any way. Dreadful, as far as uh, our our format of I'm choice. Sure, I'm sure Roger Ebert talked about it at some point, about how seminal it <laughs> we'll was. We'll find someone else yes. talking about it. <laughs> the general is is in its entirety a chase film. It's got some of the most spectacular action I've ever seen. I of course saw the general before I did the French Connection and thought nothing can ever top this. And so I never thought that much about the French Connection because if you watch the chase scene in the general, it's truly awe-inspiring. I wonder to this day how they did some of it. How Keaton pulled off so many other effects in films before there was computer-generated imagery. You can do anything today on a computer. Some of the best chases I've seen are done on a computer. Everything in the general is done live. And it isn't even the editing that saves the scene, as it is with French Connection. For example, if, if I held on to a shot two or three frames longer in the French Connection, or if it was two or three frames shorter, the sequence would not be as effective. Because in those two or three frames, an eighth of a second, you might see a microphone pop into a shot like this, you know? Or you might see the camera start to tip over. Or you might see someone in the background making a face at the camera, not in the general. These these chases are for real. Uh the movement, the handling of crowds, uh, 
the use of trains at that time <laughs> in a movie, it, it's awe-inspiring to me and breathtaking to this day. The, the one thing I did... The one thing I did want to mention is that um, that kind of explosion sequence, I think, still really works today. Um, like the bridge exploding like that. I mean, obviously, it immediately conjures not memories of because this was well before, but things like the bridge over River Kwai. Like, I think you can see the transition of film and how they took from this. Um, like, would this stand up now in a brand new movie? No, but it's wildly impressive to watch it now and realize that this was that this was huge when Babe Ruth was playing baseball like that. I mean, to think about it in that context, like, like that is before my father was born <laughs> and it's still impressive work. So I did enjoy that process of just seeing like how polished this movie actually was considering the time. Yeah. It's not something that, uh, we'll use baseball like Babe Ruth, uh, because they, play by the same ish rules uh people i guess allow themselves <clears throat> to debate the the quality of players from different generations uh babe ruth is sort of an interesting one and in that i with his particular physique and the way he treated his body god um, bless him <laughs> <laughs> with a great amount of booze booze um, hot dogs you, you know tobacco. You, can, you, can, <laughs> you can make an argument like you know would he First off, he probably there wouldn't be a Babe Ruth, right? Because even if Babe Ruth had that hand-eye coordination, no. someone would get a hold of him young, and he would be training nonstop. He right. would be specializing in this. So it's hard to have, uh, you know, the last Babe Ruth is what John Crook Ooh. in the early nineties. Wow, what a I guess. yeah, good pull. <laughs> yep, yep. That that's or Bartolo Colon as a pitcher, maybe. That's... I don't think <laughs> no one mentions them as Babe Ruth no, as no. Like, you know, the player of his generation. Um, is it? Do you think it's a mistake, or is it just a nice parlor game to treat art in that regard? Because, like I said, with a sport, you have a set amount of rules, and yes, they kind of evolve and change. But you can make a case that we're still playing the same game. But with something like you're talking about, silent film to now, or silent film to the films that were coming out, you know, three decades later, right. is it fair no. to have that? I no. mean, as long as I guess you, okay. no, I don't think it's fair, and it. I have the same reaction when people do that than when people will watch an older movie, like from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and be like, oh, I've seen that before. I know what they're going to do. Like, yeah, <laughs> you do with 50 more years of history, you prick. Like, they didn't. Like, like the idea of, you know, watching a movie like Psycho that we have covered on this podcast, kind mm. of, um, and being like, oh, I saw that twist coming, or I've seen movies before that get rid of the protagonist in the first third of the movie. Like, okay, yeah, but not then. <laughs> like, you have to, you ha I think you do have to understand the context. If you go even more than 10 years before now, I think it's important to do your best to understand the context because otherwise I think you're going to be like wildly judgmental about these things. Like, mm. like, yeah, the, the general's action sequences are not as good as Terminator two. That is true. But like, look what Buster Keaton had to work with. Like he had to do those for real. Like you only get one shot and you might die. Like that is a real risk that he was running so maybe pay that man a little bit of respect. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a lab of dorks moving their, their cursors around, <laughs> moving the trying to dots paint the blue tail in just the right way. Yeah, <laughs> he 
Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned Psycho because I do believe that it's coming up on this list. So we'll get to do it again. That's one that I could, I could watch. I don't know how many times. And, um, you know, I think back to that, like, why did I watching it in the probably mid nineties, you know, 35 years after it came out, why did that affect me? And I, maybe the case can just be made that my mother and granny just got the tape in my hands at a young enough right, age where I right. saw them pre other slasher movies. I think that's, that's uh, the big key. I think if you watch psycho when you're 29 and you've been watching movies for like 15 years, like, consistently i think you're gonna have that shitty reaction but if you watch it when you're like 12 and all you've seen is you know disney movies and fucking fern gully you're like your mind's gonna be blown it's yeah yeah that's uh, that was actually my review there's no letterbox <laughs> but i was like oh that is a that's a half star better than fern gully, <laughs> fern gully. I, I like that yeah. it doesn't have tim curry Thanks, but pretty good pretty good yeah. <laughs> i think i'm gonna put that on my list two spots of both <laughs> This movie about this fucking flying rat. I love it. I love it. Yes. Environmentalist propaganda. They're trying to <laughs> shill to us in grade school. Like, it's like, if I got to choose between environmentalist propaganda and women being murdered, definitely mm. the women being murdered. That's what I'm going yeah. for. Naked blonde. <laughs> and to go back just briefly to the Marvel movies, God, there's far more sex and uh psycho yeah. then or you know the idea of sex than than the MCU I would terrible. say there's more there's even more sexual tension in this movie than there is in any Marvel movie <laughs> that man is willing to die for the chance to be next to that woman that's it <laughs> like that's way more you know here's a clip for you i'm sure you can drop uh <clears throat> black widow's very touching speech to uh the incredible hulk about uh what, what did joss whedon say it's getting it's getting dark it's, out yeah, there whatever <laughs> fucking nonsense jesus put your anger and erection away hulk. yeah just <laughs> just run your fingernails on his palm everything's fine god that, movie, god. God, that was shit god damn it. <laughs> all right the general <laughs> on to the next yes yes what is yes oh so next right is it my pick next it's my oh, pick. It's your pick. Okay. I think. All right. Sure. I think I'm trying to uh, mainly just for the editing purposes that we're alternating. That's fair. Weeks. Uh, so we'll be on a set schedule. And I believe mine has a fucking train in it. Very briefly. It sure does. But it's the whole hook. It sure does. The whole hook here. It is 1998, and this is pre Shakespeare in Love, which I, that always caught me off guard. Is it pre really? Shakespeare in Love. Oh. Yeah, it's within the same year. Yeah, it's yeah. Very Shakespeare close. in Love is the Fall. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, English accent, uh, playing a, a Brit who, um, I guess she, she plays it twice. You know, she misses the train, and we get to see the alternate uh, the alternate romance as such. As such, and, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that next time. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> Check back in next week. <laughs> Sliding doors. It's on. You know what? It's on HBO. It is. And the se- now that I've said it, <laughs> no, the audio is going to fuck up for you. Look, dear listener. I will tell you. I just watched it, and the sound was good. I watched it on HBO Max. We're safe. <laughs> They'll probably take it off. Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> Shut my mouth!